0: but I don't want to be the largest team uh, necessarily by agent count. I would like to really continue to nurture and foster myself and individual agents that wanna perform and and look at this as a full-time career.
1: The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by FIRST. FIRST knows that a real estate professional's most valuable asset is their relationships. A strong personal network is the moat that can guard against any industry disruption. But there is never enough time to nurture your network the way you want to. FIRST powers top agents with artificial intelligence to spotlight the people who are most likely to sell. This brings focus and attention to make important connections when it matters most. Learn more and request a free demo at FIRST.io.
0: Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions Podcast where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 166 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I really appreciate you telling a friend it's how our show continues to grow. Uh, I, I love what I do here. My satisfying that curiosity itch I have and finding out how people got into the business, what they did before, and then obviously talking about uh, what they're doing now and sharing their successes. And, and today's guest is is in the, a perfect example of that. I met Jennifer Springer in um, the Estero area of Florida, down in Lee County. She's the owner of the Orchid Group with Premier Plus. She's doing some amazing things, the, the, the marketing, uh, what she's done with her team, it's, it's going to be great for anybody out there thinking about trying to grow their business to a certain level. I think Jennifer's going to have some great advice. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast.
0: Well, thank you, Bill. I'm really excited to be here.
1: I'm excited to talk to you. I, I've had a chance to meet with you and then a, a previous time with some of the people on your team. It's really cool what you're doing down there. But before we get into that, I, I need to find out, as most people in Florida, I always ask this question, How uh, are you a native of here or how long have you called Southwest Florida your home?
0: Well, I rarely meet natives of Florida. Right, um, people are transplants, and I am one of those. Uh, we've been down here for a little over 12 years and uh, and actually a full-time resident for 12 years.
1: Okay. Did you, did you like many people, vacation down here prior to uh, relocating? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah
0: I've got, I mean, I've got such great memories of being a kid on Sanibel on the beaches with my family it's kind of a dream come true that I'm actually my family and I are living here because I grew up in very cold weathered area and yeah. and never ever thinking that I would be down here in beautiful southwest Florida.
1: So I happen to know how cold it is. It's we're talking Wisconsin, right? Right. Yeah. Oh yes.
0: The frozen tundra. It is it can get very
1: cold there. So whereabouts in Wisconsin and um and tell me a little bit about that, that Midwestern you know kind of childhood. I'm always curious to get people's take on you know how that was.
0: Yeah, well, it's a very special place uh, first and foremost. Growing up in the Midwest, I grew up in a city uh, at that time about 60,000. Uh, the city is Appleton, Wisconsin, which is about 30 minutes south of Green Bay. Most people know where Green Bay is, and spent most of my time until I went off to college uh, in that area. Had had chances of traveling outside of that, but for the most part, my roots are really from Appleton, Wisconsin.
1: So, go pack go is part of your vocabulary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think,
0: yeah, I think you don't have a choice. Right,
1: right. Like you know the words to the song and all that stuff. I'm just guessing.
0: I am a owner of uh, the Green Bay Packers. My dad uh, had. Bought all the kids shares to uh, the stock.
1: <laughs> that's great. That's a that's a little. I don't know if a, a ton of people know that, but that's so cool. That it is the only the only professional sports team that's not uh, owned by a single entity, but owned by the community. You know, run obviously by the general manager and, and the people. But that's very cool.
0: It is. Yeah. yeah it's. It, it, the people are great. You know, I, I miss being up there from just knowing so many people and cultural and, and family oriented, which has been just a, a great thing to have being raised that way. It's a really close knit environment. And and so there's good and bad to that, of course. But the the good is that, you know, everybody watches over everybody. And um, so that's been a really special part of being raised and, and growing up in that area.
1: Yeah. Uh, a Badger as well. Did you go to U- UW?
0: I, I did. And Madison is, if if you haven't been to Madison, have you been to Madisonville?
1: So yeah, let me tell you, can I tell you a quick Madison story? This is your podcast, but I'm going to okay. share it. Um, I went on a trip with, my wife always surprised me with the trip. We went to a Madison Muskies game after going to the Field of Dreams in Dyersville, Iowa. So it was a heck of a drive to get there. Okay. <laughs> but I had to go to a Madison Muskies minor league baseball game. It was really cool.
0: So you got, you got to experience the city of Madison then?
1: Yeah, it's great.
0: It is great. It's great. I am a Badger and I um, my husband's actually from Madison. uh, And and so I've spent a lot of time down in that area. But I am a Badger and I am a lumberjack. um, So I've I've had a great opportunity when I was about 30 to get my MBA, which is what officially made me a Badger.
1: You said lumberjack, and I, I lived in Arizona for 17 years. I'm guessing a whole lot of people don't really know where the lumberjacks are. <laughs> but, but so somehow, yeah, not literally. <laughs> yeah, somehow from, from, from Wisconsin, you end up going to school in Flagstaff, Arizona, up northern Arizona at Northern Arizona University. How did that, how did that play out?
0: It's a unique story from my perspective. You know, I, I had my first year of college, I went to Milwaukee. And was pretty tired of the cold. My dad always said, you never liked the cold. So uh, midway through the year, I looked at him and I said, dad, if I get, continue to get great grades and do really well, can I go somewhere and somewhere interesting and more exciting and something that would kind of just fit who I was. And he said, yeah, obviously within reason, he said, let's just see. And so that all happened. I researched, this was before we had the internet. So I I actually remember being in the library, looking through these big books of colleges and universities and trying to figure out where am I going to go? What do I want to do? What do I want to where, where do I want to be and live? And I came across this cute little uh, university in an area where it just seemed like it fit who I was, my personality and who I was at the time. So I flew out there in a tiny little plane because at that time there was just a little tiny airport up in Flagstaff. And walked off the plane, looked up, and saw these beautiful mountains, and looked all around and said, I'm, I'm going to school here. And luckily, <laughs> luckily it had my degree, because I wasn't going there for my degree. I was going there because it was so amazingly beautiful, and I could immediately tell that that's just where I needed to be.
1: For those that haven't had a chance to visit Arizona, it's got so many different parts and pieces to the puzzle. And and you, that whole, and Flagstaff, just that whole area, the San Francisco peaks, uh, it's just gorgeous. So like, I get why a young girl would be there going, I'm going to go to school here.
0: Yeah. Well, and to literally go from Flagstaff, which is, it could be cold because it did snow, but it had blue skies, which was beautiful. And then 45 minutes to an hour, not even, you're in warm weather. I mean, it's just kind of, it's a crazy state where you can have a lot of different uh, temperatures.
1: You would started working after school, uh, and so let's talk about that because I don't think while you were in college, real estate was not on your radar. So, so what what was what were you doing, and what did you want to do, uh, and what really what was your career uh, right out of school?
0: I was talking to my husband last night about this, and we were laughing because we don't see many people like little kids when they're like, "Well, what do you want to be when you grow up?" And you know, I don't hear a lot of kids saying, "I want to be a realtor." <laughs>
1: <laughs> right.
0: I want to be a doctor. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a teacher. But uh, no, you know, real estate was not even on the radar. Uh, not not even remotely. I mean, it just it's it's funny to see see myself in this um, profession today. But I I have a marketing degree, an advertising degree. I that's really a, we I come from an advertising business, family-owned business. So heading out of college, that was really where I was heading it was being in you know either corporate America, running a marketing department, running a company those were my aspirations from from that perspective but it was it was not from a real estate standpoint at all it was truly just going into the corporate world which i did heading back from college i had a couple different jobs one or two different positions at different companies and and worked my way up and then landed at a great company which was acquired a number of years later but a great company One Thousand company in uh, near appleton ran their marketing department and grew the marketing department and grew with the company. And so it, that's that's where my MBA came in. This company was so great. They came to me one day and said, you know, we really want to invest in you and we see potential for you to be here long-term. In order for that to happen, we would like for you to go back to school and we will, we will pay for your MBA. We will take care of that and sponsor you, which at first it's funny because I don't I didn't really want to go back to school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: I was having a great time living it up and not having to worry about studying and, and all of that. But then I, I woke up obviously and said, My gosh, what an opportunity. So they sponsored my MBA program for two years. And I I worked and got my MBA at the same time.
1: So you're you're obviously invested in this company, but somewhere something happens because I'm talking to you as a realtor. So um, what happened? What was that moment or that trigger that kind of changed the path for you?
0: Sometimes things happen and you don't know why they're happening. And later on, you look back and you kind of chuckle and go, oh my gosh, you know, thank goodness that everything worked out this way. Uh, and that was really what happened. We were in a situation, the company was being acquired by a much larger company, and they were heavily focused on sales, not so much on marketing. They just an old company that was really sales driven. So I at at some point during that process of the ac- acquisition needed to make a decision and my department had to make a decision and we all came together and it moving headquarters down to Chicago wasn't something I wanted to do. And so I departed the company and they became the new company. And we moved actually we had a home down in Southwest Florida. And at the time my husband's like, you know, let's go live there. But I thought there was no way I wanted to live in Southwest Florida at that time, not because it wasn't beautiful, just that I I felt like I wasn't ready to retire, so to speak. I was still, you know, working the corporate ladder. And so we came down for two weeks at the home, hung out. And about midway through, I looked at him and I said, you know what, I think I could see myself living here (laughs) after having being in 80 degree weather and knowing I was going to fly back to Wisconsin in uh, some uh, below zero weather. So. We put the home up in on the market in Wisconsin, put the home up here in Florida and kind of just said, OK, whatever goes first, that's where we're heading. And my home up in Wisconsin was under contract within a couple of days. I had a very good realtor and came down and now I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to what am I going to do with my life? And I spent for a, a couple of years actually consulting, working with a lot of the people that had left that organization, uh, flying, being on a plane. And in and out uh, that kind of daily grind of being on airplane and meetings. And, and one day my husband looked at me and said, I think you should go into real estate. And I was kind of laughed and said, I have really no interest in going into real estate. And he said, why? This is such a great place to sell these beautiful properties and everyone's happy and it's warm. And, I thought no, I'm 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 I've got my MBA. I'm not, I'm that's just not what I want to do. So from there, uh, it took me about a, a year, truly a year of him just continuing to put that message into my ear. And one day, I literally I woke up. I remember the day, and I thought, you know what? There is an opportunity. Maybe there's an opportunity to do it the way I want to do it, and create an organization the way. I want to do it and how I want to create marketing and customer service and a brand and the whole entire experience. And once I understood that, once I understood that I had the freedom of creating it the way I would like to see it and how I think it should be done, and have a little bit of control around the customer service experience, then all of a sudden my whole perspective changed. And since then, I, I mean, got my licensed and it, it, just went from there.
1: It had to be a huge advantage for you coming into. I mean, I mentioned you sitting in your real estate licensing classes with other people of, of different ages and education levels, but to to have an MBA in marketing <laughs> coming into a business where marketing is critical uh, and already knowing all of that stuff, it you had to have a head start, right?
0: You know, I, I did. And being from an ad agency world and and knowing messaging and, and branding and, and storytelling, we sell these beautiful homes in a lot of different environments, golf and on the beach and things that people gravitate towards and have spent their whole life dreaming about having, you know, having the ability to not only talk about that in a way that would re- resonate with a potential buyer, but also the ability to figure out how to get it out there, how to get that message out there about that property or or the company or myself or an agent. It is a huge advantage. And we've leveraged it as much as we can. And I, I really feel like that's one of the things that accelerated our growth uh, was the was the knowledge and not only myself, but the people that I've surrounded myself with that have gravitated towards the company and and their skill sets and they're you know just coming together and really brainstorming and leveraging all of that expertise.
1: Right. Let's talk about forming the the Orchid Group. How quick did that happen? I'm sure that you knew in your mind early on you were going to have a team.
0: Funny enough, Bill, I didn't. I I looking back, I go, yeah, of course, but no, I I didn't. I was just doing my own thing, and having some success and excited and the freedom to kind of do what I wanted to do. And it continued to grow. And then I had my twin boys and they're five now. And I realized I needed some help. And so I hired an admin and she got me kind of organized because I'm a salesperson. So, you know, salespeople aren't necessarily always organized. Right. <laughs> and she kind of got me together and, and kept me all, out there doing what I needed to do. And then slowly an agent came on. Actually, not slowly. I mean, within very quickly on, she she and she's still she's still a great producer today on my team. She, and from there, I added another agent and then another agent and then another admin and a marketing person. And so it just, it kind of just happened without me seeking it. I I think it's probably an interesting and great way to grow a business because I didn't plan it. It just kind of happened.
1: You were probably very cautious though, in how you added people to the team, right? I mean, and, and and do you see, do you see it getting bigger? Is there like this sweet spot, like this size for you where you, you want to be?
0: Well, I am a proponent of bigger isn't always better. And it it can be, uh, depending on your business model. For me, though, the way I see it and how I would like to continue to grow, I would like to grow as it relates to volume, which will mean certainly adding on additional agents. But I don't want to be the largest team uh, necessarily by agent count. I would like to really continue to nurture and foster Myself and individual agents that want to perform and, and look at this as a full time career. And I think that that's where from, for us and how we are organized, having agents be their very best, top, all top producers and getting them there and continuing to help them sustain and grow and, and reach their goals. Um, that's where I see it. That's where I see us
1: continuing to thrive. Let's say we have, a, we have a a realtor who hired their first admin. They're right at that spot. What, what, what words of advice would you give them if they're considering bringing on that first buyer's agent and headed down that uh, path to a team?
0: It's a balancing act like most things are. And you always hear companies growing too quickly and then they go out of business. And for me, I know looking back and I know I stretched a lot of people because at times we needed more support than what we had. We had higher production, more volume, and everyone's working day and night. And I would be asked, you know, we need more people. We need more people to help. I would say if someone is in that part or in where they are right now in terms of having an admin, maybe one buyer agent or an agent altogether, and they're getting stretched, just just be careful not to continue to add a lot of cost immediately. Try to look at ways where you can add resources at not a very costly manner immediately as you grow you can add them on but just for me i i waited until i felt really confident that we had repeatable business and that we were going to see it over and over again versus just kind of having a a luck of the year and and so i think that's probably one of the things that i would give advice to is just be careful about managing your your cost structure in the beginning of it the other thing I would say is and it goes back to just how I grew the business is if you can identify somebody or a resource from a marketing perspective your brand is who you are and your brochures, your digital media, your social media, whatever whatever you're producing it's who you are and you want it to look absolutely stunning. So for for me I would say go find that person, that resource that can help design and create your brand and, and, and make it look beautiful, make it look sophisticated. And because that's who you're working with. They want to see your brand and they want your brand to look beautiful.
1: Yeah. And you've done a great job with that. As I mentioned in the opening, it's uh, it's it's spectacular to look at the, uh, all the collateral and the content online, the website is beautiful. You've got to balance, you know, lead generation prospecting. That's, you have to do that to grow, but as you mentioned, you said repeatable business and that's the, that's the trigger word for that sphere relationship marketing, the ability to generate referrals. How do you, how do you uh, work both of those and kind of keep that all working together?
0: Yeah, it's such a great question. And I've been thinking about it because it, it allows me to kind of go back and think about what we're doing daily. And everybody, every agent, myself, we, we all, we, we, we obtain business a little bit differently for me. Because I'm a even though I'm running the company, I'm I'm a producer, and I have to continue to produce, and want to produce. And so for me, relationship marketing is probably eighty percent of what I do. It's making sure that I am out there, continuing to be in front of my customers and my my as you say their sphere of influence, reminding them, and helping them. And because a lot of what we do is help. It's not just a transaction, but it's it's helping them understand real estate, understand when to invest, when to sell, when to buy, where to buy, looking out for them uh, in terms of opportunities. Lead gen is so critical. It is, especially if you're on a team, because agents want leads. And especially if they're in the beginning stages, because, you know, typically most of my agents are have been doing business for a little bit of time or for a long period of time, but they still want leads. And so for me, I spent a lot of resources on lead gen. And oh, I know a lot of agents, you know, they're, they're working on Zillow and realtor.com. And I, I, you know, I continue to look at that for me, that's not really been a vehicle for leads. We, we, we take a a little bit of a different route where our leads are coming a lot from our online Marketing strategies. Social media is one part, but a lot of blogging and SEO, AdWords, uh, those are, and then some other lead gen systems that we've uh, invested in. So most of those leads are being fueled over to my agents. And what's what's so great about that is, and we all know down in at least in Southwest Florida, you know, people move. I think on average around seven every seven years or so. So th- those leads become really something that our agents work because those leads have family, they have friends, they know people, that are all thinking about moving down here. So it just continues to blossom from there.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, sometimes people don't connect the dots on that too well, right? (laughs) They're just so tuned into one transaction, they're not thinking about the lifetime value, right? Of of a conversion.
0: Well, yeah. well, and it's it's and I get why because we're busy. You know, yeah. we're busy and we're like, okay, that's all done. That was a little that was a little nerve-wracking. Oh my gosh, we got the, the you know, everybody's in their home, the home sold, and then we move on to the next. And so you're absolutely right. But again, I think that's where the marketing can come in and that's really where we support our agents is continuing to reach out on their behalf to their sphere of influence, to their leads, their past customers with marketing pieces so that we stay, stay uh, top of
1: mind. Jennifer, if you, if you could wave a magic wand and and change one thing about the real estate industry, what would it be?
0: Uh, well, how about increase our commissions to 10%? <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: well, that's uh, okay. That's a good one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, kidding aside, I think that it would really improve our industry in a lot of... In many ways, frankly, if we had a, high, a little bit of a higher restriction or higher guidelines on getting into the business and continuing to be in the business, that point of entry. And I say that because a real estate, it, it can and is absolutely wonderful to be in. You can control how you do your business, how much business you want to do. That's all wonderful, but I, I think the other side to that, and when I look at, you know, you hear that old saying again, are you gonna hire an attorney that's done one transaction or had one customer in one year or a surgeon that's done one surgery in a in a year in one year, you're probably not gonna go seek guidance from individuals that aren't actively in the business every day and actively learning and actively getting continuing education in a lot of different manners. So for me. I think that it would really change our industry if we had higher guidelines and more restrictions on not only getting into the business, but then continuing to, to practice real estate.
1: Yeah, that raise the bar kind of a thing is it's been around for a while. It's a difficult thing to accomplish, but I, I agree uh, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Well, Jennifer, like you're, I've, I'm right in the middle of your day as we record this episode. So I've, I asked you for half an hour. We're right on that. So I'm going to ask you the same final question I, I've asked every guest on every episode. And that is, what's, what's one piece of advice uh, you would give a new agent just getting started in the business?
0: One piece of advice. That's difficult, but okay.
1: I will I'll, I'll give you two. I'll give you two.
0: Okay, <laughs> I need a whole day. No, it's uh, it's very exciting, but I would say team up uh, with someone that is doing who you admire and you think is doing a great job in in the industry. Watch them, watch what they're doing. Go talk to them, call them, and it doesn't have to be even on a local level where you are. It can be anywhere in the United States, um, but I would say identify one or two people that you admire that you think is do, are doing a great job and reach out to them, watch them, see what they're doing and, and bring in those best practices that they've already figured out and really identify what are those key things that you think will drive your business and then stay disciplined, do it every day. It's not a job. It, if you want to grow the, your own business and your own future, as it relates to real estate be disciplined and and follow those best practices as much as you can.
1: Jennifer, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
0: Well, you can reach me at my phone number. Uh, It's 920-540-6822. And my email is jennifer at orchidrealtygroup.com. And you can always go onto my website at orchidrealtygroup.com and uh, check out our team and reach me through that.
1: Jennifer, thank you so much for your time today. It really was very interesting. I, I, I love the fact, I still, I still can't get over the fact you're a lumberjack. That's just the best <laughs> that has That's the first on this show, right? So for someone from Wisconsin who went to NAU. But uh, really, it's been a pleasure. Like I, look, I, I love uh, looking forward to the things you're going to be doing in the future. And, uh, and thanks again for being on the show.
0: Oh, thanks, Bill. This was terrific. I had a great time.